dumb fucked up, founders. Part two. Why Bud Light was fucked long before the latest controversy. And a dive into Australian hop production. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. You'd think the process of fermenting grains, putting them into a glass, and selling that to people to make life better would be relatively easy. And it should require the business equivalent of smashing your testes with a garden trowel. But after 129 episodes, I think we've proven that's harder than it looks. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. That actually tied in pretty well. <laughs> it, I mean, most weeks it does. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised to find out that it would tie in, uh, I think, more so than, eh, slightly more than average, but at any given time, um, I, our uh, our podcast can safe, best be but... <laughs> summarized as, oh, which brewery that I liked fucked up this week? Yeah. Uh, before we get into that, uh, happy bit of, uh, uh, happy bit of uh, news. Uh, Tyler, uh, what are you drinking today? Uh I am drinking the Czech Pilsner from Hoodoo Brewing Company out of Fairbanks, Alaska. Still riding all the stuff you brought back from Alaska with you, huh? Yeah, this can was pretty beat up. It is very dimpled from that. Uh... Jesus Christ, what did you do to it? It was the last can we got into that bag. <laughs> hold on, hold it up again. This is where we. This is how I do social media in the middle of the podcast. There you go. There's the. Uh, there's the. There's the picture that you're all gonna see later if you are on our socials, and you should be because uh, it's some high quality shit. Um, <laughs> how is it? Despite being in a can that looks like it was kicked down a flight of stairs by Ace Ventura. Uh, it is delicious. So it's nice. You get a little bit of that like spicy hop character coming in. Uh, not overly bitter, but real crisp, crushable finish. Um, like a uh, like a good white boy, I am um, uh, doing a couple of Mexican lagers for um, uh, Cinco de Mayo. That is uh, happening as this podcast comes out. Um, and I got a couple of uh, Mexican lagers from uh, Idaho and um, Montana because I feel like when you when you think uh, Mexican lager. You're thinking, oh shit, yeah, Idaho and Montana—that's where the best ones are coming from. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna do a side by side, Grand Tetons, Trace Picos, and uh, and uh, Lewis and Clark's just called Mexican Lager. Uh, they I mean, you know, Helena, Montana, and uh, Victor, Idaho. You know, a small little mountain town in Idaho, and. Uh, Almost as far away from Mexico as you can be in the United States with Helena. That's what I'm saying. Like when you when you're thinking like you know Mexican culture, you're thinking Victor Idaho and Helena Montana. That's uh, yep. I'm uh, I cracked into the Grand Teton first uh, because uh, well I actually had higher hopes for it. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> I was briefly thinking of a nicer way of putting it, but I'm like, ah, shit, you're almost there anyway. So, um, and uh, <laughs> I'll just be an asshole about it. Uh, it's quite good. It is exactly what a, I think I feel like a Mexican lager is supposed to be. Uh, light, slightly sweet, a touch of corn, uh, moderate high bitterness, like herbal, uh, spicy hops, clean finish, pretty refreshing. Yeah, that's a international lager. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I haven't had it this year, but I remember having it last year, and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. And it ties into to what I'm doing later, but um, uh, before we get into that, uh, Tyler, do you want to kick us off today? Yeah. So uh, this is an article from Brewbound uh, from May 2nd. Founders is hit with a second racial discrimination lawsuit. It takes some uh, uh, brass cojones polished to the nth degree to do it twice. I mean, I, I don't think we've done we, we've managed to do a you done fucked up again 
actually we have. I feel like we have Brewdog. Brewdog is Brewdog. Do, Drew, here. There two is is Brewdog is the only one that you done fucked up again. But they did it in quick succession. They were still in the process of fucking up. It's this has been a couple of years uh, uh, since. Well, they originally done fucked up. What do they done fuck up now? So, this also gets announced the same day that they announced they're permanently closing their Detroit location, which was the same location that had the previous racial incident. Well, Um, and I see now when we were talking about this, I could have sworn that one was closed down before because uh, when this shit went down, they got so much backlash at that tap room that they closed it down for any number of reasons. Not the least of which that it's, it's hard to run a tap room when people are calling you a racist asshole outside. So, yeah, well, they temporarily shut it down, brought it back and then racially discriminated again. And, uh, now we're just closing it for good. (laughs) Well, uh, the plaintiff, uh, Nima Dillard, uh, filed a lawsuit with the U.S. District Court in, in the Eastern District of Michigan, Southern Division, on May 1st. Um, her attorney detailed months of discrimination, unfair treatment, and retaliation against his client in the complaint. Uh, Dillard uh, resigned April 23rd and uh, turned around and filed racial discrimination and retaliation charges with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission on April 24th. Um, She alleged founders violated Title VII and the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Um, It was 2019 the last lawsuit came out. So they almost made it a full five years. Um, If you want a a review of um, um, founders... Absolutely stunning deposition um, oh, for that one. That was still, painful. Still one of the still one of the uh, the cornerstones of of uh, it's all beer legal history. Uh, you can hear a reenactment of uh, me and Tyler uh, reading that deposition, where a where a a representative of founders um, claimed very. <laughs> very badly that he didn't understand the concept of race at all. Like he, he he refused to even know if Michael Jordan was, uh, (laughs) he refused to under, he's like, he refused to say whether or not, yeah, Michael Jordan was a black man, which, (laughs) I mean, part of you makes you just want to like, admire the dedication to the, story and just be like nope (laughs) i mean as legal strategies go it looks good on paper it fails pretty quickly uh, under even the least amount of questioning Mm -hmm. yeah it's a great legal defense but court of public opinion you were done (laughs) well and all they and, and all they had to do was leak which is kind of what the uh the what well, what I, if I remember correctly, what the, uh, um, what somebody, maybe uh, the uh, counsel for the defendant did, uh, uh, leak that des- deposition because that was, I mean, again, you want to, you want to uh, uh, make uh, that company look completely absurd. It couldn't do much better than that. Mm-hmm. Well, so according to her suit, uh, she claims. Um, that her time as a manager, as one of the managers at the Founders Detroit Tap Room, she was utilized merely for the optics of having a black manager, while being treat treated completely different from her counter from her white counterparts. Um, she was promoted to part time tap room manager in July 2022, uh, after joining as a server in June of 21. Um, she brings up how she was treated differently because she was the only taproom manager without a dedicated focus area, as well as extra responsibilities assigned to each manager, such as handling training, scheduling the taproom's barrel room and mug club, um, 
so she had none of those extra responsibilities. Um, was the only one who still worked serving shifts. Um, and during her serving shifts, she was paid a lower hourly rate than when she was as a manager, which that one, I, that part, I didn't take too much offense because I feel I've talked to several bar managers that still like bartend and they're like, when I'm doing my manager stuff, I get paid my manager wage when I'm on the clock bartending, I get paid that wage. So I was like, I well, don't yeah, think that but one's if, But if you are, I mean, if it, if, if you are, uh, if you're assigned a managerial role and you have two different pay grades, uh, depending on what you're doing and you're not offered the opportunity to do more managerial stuff, you're just assigned, you know, mostly mm-hmm. bartending, which is kind of what, I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, at least with the uh, the the extra areas of focus, that sounds like uh, managerial hours that weren't offered to her. So it is essentially like you're not you're not getting paid the the same as the others. Yep. And uh, when focus areas became available or additional managerial tasks arose, Dillard was denied assignments. Uh, so rather, a direct quote is, rather than provide her with unfilled focus of taproom training, founders allowed a white server, Olivia Card, to clock in at a higher hourly rate to do this focus. Uh, former taproom manager Justin Parent wrote in an affidavit that was filed with the complaint. Uh, similarly, when other employees with focus areas resigned, white employees were promoted or had the duties shifted to them rather than go to uh, Nima Dillard, uh, basically robbing care of any additional hours or responsibilities. Um, So, I mean, that doesn't look good to to start off with. No. uh, And then when the scheduling focus area became available, Dillard was denied because and quote, she still works serving shifts, oh, and geez. that would be a conflict of interest. Oh jeez. Uh, so I mean, I mean, you know, with the uh, um, the specifics aside, it's uh, the, the 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 overall um, uh, uh, accusation. It sounds like is essentially is. Oh, sh- the founders looked around and said, "Shit! All we got is a bunch of white people being manager, and we got in trouble for this shit before." Um, you black person, you black person, you're manager now. Uh, join them, but not not like anything important. Just just be there to. We don't see color either, so uh, you um, person <laughs> of extra melanin. What do we have to do to make this go away? <laughs> yep well so on top of all this apparently she was also subject to ongoing racial harassment including the kitchen manager habitually and intentionally misspelling mispronouncing her name and being told to make sure her six-year-old daughter didn't steal any money okay perfect love to see it uh and then In January of 2022, Dillard reported to Habib, uh, or Habib, she had been sexually harassed by Claude, no last name was shared, a co-worker. Uh, Another employee reported the same incidents to Habib, um, and Claude remained employed at the taproom until April 9th, 2023. So over a full year after that sexual harassment complaint from multiple employees. Um, and basically what was the final straw was, it was a, another sexual harassment complaint, but this time from a white employee. Um, and when other employees learned Diller had complained about Claude's behavior the previous year, a coworker told others Dillard doesn't struggle enough to be black. Doesn't struggle enough to be black. 
Is that there? Is, is that why uh, uh, they couldn't see color in the deposition? They couldn't. That is because Michael Jordan wasn't physically uh, uh, fighting the 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 bonds of racism in front of him. He's like, I I, I don't understand. I don't really see if, if he's black or not. He seems to be doing fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then come October of twenty two, Dillard complained to HR. Uh, and that basically led to her hours being drastically reduced. Um, Why another taproom manager received a raise allegedly to be quiet about um, the Bellhart's mispronunciation of Dillard's name. Um, And she spoke with the taproom director um, who basically told her she was benched now as a manager um, but assured her she was not having any performance issues <laughs> so, so you're benched as a manager well is there something wrong with my what my performance no 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 you're you're fine it's just um you're you're complaining about people sexually harassing you and uh, and being racist and we we just can't have that we can't have that uh we've gotten in trouble with that before and we find it easier to sweep it under the rug Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a statement from founders, this is like the fucking oh god cherry on top. Oh god, oh god. <laughs> it said it was unaware of Diller's complaint when it came out and announced the taproom closing. They had no idea the complaint was even filed. Uh, that they didn't find out till later that evening when a reporter contacted them. I mean, I believe that to be true. Actually, I mean, it doesn't excuse them. It doesn't excuse them. I want to make that very clear, the, 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 the higher-ups of founders. But I believe they were totally and perhaps willfully oblivious. <clears throat> uh, yeah, but also, as part of the settlement with Evans in 2019, the company has instituted mandatory bias discrimination and harassment training throughout the organization. They said... They've re-examined our policies and enacted new policies, as well as implementing new procedures for reporting of workplace concerns. I mean, was that was that after the Evans thing in uh, in twenty nineteen? After the Evans, before the Dillard. So I would, um, um, I, I I would suggest that there's some um, some uh, uh, evidence that says that didn't work. Yeah. And I'm like, do it once, could be a bad apple. Do it twice, this is becoming a trend. Well, I I mean and from the and from the get go there was be I mean besides the the like the uh, uh uh from Evans at the time, beside uh you know, besides the like the specific instances that he uh listed in the lawsuit uh, there was also a lot of uh, there was also just a lot of um, uh, talk from uh, both him and uh, uh, from other employees, mostly that remained anonymous, if I believe that there was just this this broy culture there mm-hmm. that was uh, that was you know hostile, anno- you know at, hostile at best at times, annoying, and at worst times just downright toxic. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, the we'll the, see how this lawsuit plays out. I say, uh, I, 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 I always want to want to be cautious and and uh, and give uh, uh, founders some time to uh, have another deposition. <laughs> oh my god! If they... Hopefully, they've learned after that to maybe not put that guy. In a deposition, uh, in, in a deposition room where he's being recorded. Fuck. Listen, I don't know. But the, next time we, if we have to read another deposition, I get to be the dipshit. So <laughs> fair enough. Uh, Jeremy, what do we got next? Uh, the real reason Bud Light is fucked has nothing to do with politics. News now. Um, with uh. Look, y'all have moved on, but I was like, 
two or three, I think it was actually a full month late before like fully like getting into the story. Um, and so I just, uh, uh, there was a there was a few like loose ends that I wanted to tie up before we uh, uh, bid this adieu. Um, uh, we were blessedly on the on the uh, the tail end of this moral panic, and while we oh no we f- ain't we're you don't think so you don't think we're like it's it the the the, the coastline is receding the the water is receding at this point in time. it's not gone it's not gone but it's receding you don't think so nope. we haven't hit high tide yet. Nope. What makes you say that? Especially, uh, well, the ABMBev CEO in his investor call today uh, came out publicly, like, th- trying to pass all the blame off, saying AB never actually authorized that campaign. It was from a third party marketing company. Uh, they basically. Oh, shit. Support- <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Just trying to, like, sling all that shit on someone else. Uh, if you just get on like some social media and just like search like Bud Light boycott. Oh, I'm no, I, I, Oh, it like the social media whirlwind still trying to keep that bitch rolling. But, my, but, but right there, your, my point is they're trying to keep this whirlwind going. We've, I think we've, I mean, we're still, we're, we're still uh, knee deep in this, in this uh, sewer. But the water is receded. It's now like knee deep. It was like waist deep, maybe thigh deep. We're, I mean, we're, we've crested the worst of it, and I don't know. Soon we'll be able to file this in our brains next to, ter- next to Terry Shivo and uh, avocado toast. Anybody, anybody remember those things? Of course you don't, because it didn't fucking matter, you fucking muppets. Um, my point is, <laughs> before this debacle disappears on the old memory hole, I thought. This story was worth doing. Uh, I found this in the Washington Post by Andrew Van Dam. Uh, none of the details. Related to Kevin? Huh? Yes, absolutely. The brothers. I have no idea. No, <laughs> uh, none of this is new information except for the fact that it's sort of the story behind the story. Um, this is the reason uh, that Bud Light was trying some new marketing um, or why they're trying to desperately claim that a third party was trying to do some new marketing. Um, and then uh, how the, and, and you know, when they tried that new marketing, why the crowd turned on them just a little, just a little. Okay. It dropped them like a vampire handed uh, a garlic pizza with holy water dough and cross shaped pepperoni. But it starts with this, starts with this fun fact. Um, can you guess which country is the biggest exporter of beer? Uh, exporter? Exporter. I mean, I want to say Germany, but I know it's not right. Well, which one you want? Well, which one are you going to say? Uh, let's go to the United States. Uh, it's Mexico. Mexico is the world's biggest exporter of beer right now. Um, Mexican beer alone makes up 30% of the entire export beer market, which puts them way ahead of the countries you traditionally associate as big beer countries. Uh, the Netherlands, which is to say Heineken, um, comes in at 14%. Um, and I'm still light, I guess. Um, Belgium, close at 13%. And far down the list is Germany at 9%. Damn. Um, and this, as you might sort of guess or intuitively know is fairly recent. In fact, as recently as 2008, uh, the Netherlands with their uh, big export Heineken dominated the market along with Germany, Belgium, the usual suspects. Um, And part of the story is one of proximity. Now here's an easier question. The world's biggest beer importer. Is it the United States? It's the United States. Of course we are. (laughs) We, We import all of our shit. Um, uh, two out of five dollars spent on beer goes outside the country, and eighty percent of that goes to Mexico. Um, that climbed up from seventeen percent in the nineties. Seventeen percent in the nineties, eighty percent today. Um, and it's gotten Man, to the. And they're it's got, taking our job. <laughs> it's gotten to the point that for Mexican breweries, the United States 
is their beer market. It's uh, it's kind of like the craft beer relationship between Utah and, well, actually any other state bordering Utah. Sure, they might run the brewery out of that state, but the real money comes from somewhere else. Um, so what changed? Well, um, this is going to make some MAGA son of a bitch come in his pants, but a big part of why Mexican beer is flooding across the border and pushing out good American beer is Obama. Now, I'll give you a moment to wipe yourself down before I explain. But if you're mopping up your hate sperm right now, you might as well turn this off. This requires a lot of nuance. And since you just spent the better part of a month screaming about being betrayed by an American beer company after it was long ago brought by Brazilians and Belgians who streamlined costs and cut the workforce, forcing hundreds, if not thousands, out of work to benefit billionaires in other countries. And couldn't be all, you can only be bothered when Fox News told you to bark like a bark on cue like a good little doggy. The rest of this piece may not be for you. Okay? Okay. Where I was? Where was I? Oh, yeah. Obama. Uh, <laughs> or rather... Oh, rather Obama's administration. The, uh, I, I, just because the guy was in charge didn't mean he did it. Um, yeah, he did. <laughs> but now if it's the candidate I love, exactly. No, no, no. So this was to and to be and to be uh, uh, more specific, uh, the Justice Department during the Obama years. Um, there's a lot of subtext. Uh, that goes into the formation of AB InBev. But let's start with the formation of AB InBev. Um, a, uh, InBev, before they got the AB title, um, they owned part of Grupo Modelo, and in 2012 uh, made a move to buy the rest of it. Um, the problem was that uh, in, in the United States, this would have been a major problem. Uh, the newly formed AB InBev uh, controlled Budweiser, Bush, and Michelob. And even the relatively modest import market from Corona, Pacifico, and Modelo, uh, once they added that, they would control over half the beer market. Uh, U.S. regulators sued, uh, forced AB InBev to sell the importing rights to somebody else. Um, and there was an interested party in the, in the wings. Uh, and I'm sure you know who they are, Constellation. Um, yep. No- Known for the time uh, for being uh, for Robert Madave wine, Kim Crawford wine, and Carlo Rossi, um, you know the wine you buy by the jug, uh, basically the worst ha- hangover you can possibly get, but in bottle form. You ever had one like really bad Carlo Rossi wine hangover? Oh yeah. <laughs> Although Carlo Rossi makes some of the best mold wine. Well, I mean, all you need is like all you need is like grape juice at that point in time but well i was gonna say because of the extra sugar in it it really just rounds out the flavor so much better when you're doing a mold wine fair enough um i think i remember i think i, I only had one really bad carlo rossi hangover um and it still rates as one of the worst hangovers i ever had and, and, and i was in my 20s at the time i, I could drink a fifth of whiskey until 3 a.m., wake up four hours later and be, well, not functional, but close enough to pass for it. Um, right now, if I have one too many beers, I'm out for the entire day. A Carly, a Carlo Rossi hangover might kill me now. Uh, <laughs> it would. Uh, but my my point was is they were a they were they were known for wine and liquor, especially vodka, but they knew importing, and so chugging beer north of the border was right within their wheelhouse. And that is right then where we saw a noticeable change in the U.S. beer market. Uh, For one, there's a changing demographics in the United States. But with AB InBev, in the United States particularly, there was not a big push for promotion or trying to uh, let Corona or Modelo break deeper into the American market because, well... At the at the time, they only owned uh, a part of it, and and you know if you are if you are the uh, board of Group of Modelo, and one of your major shareholders happened to own the biggest domestic brand in the adjoining country, it's not a real it's not a bull you're going to want to fuck with. Um, mm-hmm. uh, AB and Bev, uh, still I mean they still owned a controlling interest in the brewery. Uh, and then, but once they, uh, once they were able to buy the brewery outright by 
offloading their uh, import interest to Constellation, Constellation wasn't really didn't really give two shits about how Budweiser was or wasn't doing in the United States. And Constellation, it turns out, is extremely good at selling Mexican imports. They suck ass at selling pr uh, premium craft brands, as we as we'd find out three to five years later. Um, they're even yeah. worse at buying them. Um, but Corona Modelo, um, they position them as one of the first big lifestyle brands in beer. You know that thing that I loved so much. Uh, I was gonna say. Jeremy's favorite type of brand. You go back to episode number four. It was Fan Theft Auto and Dude Bros on the Beach. I was, to put it mildly, skeptical of the concept of a lifestyle brand. Um, I hadn't... Look, you're a marketing dude. I am not. I hadn't spent that much time talking, uh, talking, thinking, or studying marketing up to that point, And I really didn't understand the power of, hey, Snoop Dogg's on a beach drinking Corona, just chilling out. If I drink a Corona, maybe I could be on a beach with Snoop Dogg or Bad Bunny or what the yep. fuck ever. Um, I didn't really understand the, the, the pull of that, but I, I, I sort of, I don't understand it, but I see it happening you know as long as they're famous and on a beach it fucking works yep or to quote kate bernat who was interviewed for the uh, article quote once americans began squeezing lime wedges into corona long necks these brands became synonymous with relaxation vaca vacations and a bit more attitude than the standard american loggers that had dominated for decades um Modelo, as we talked about emerged for the lack of a better word virally like they didn't have they didn't have a big ad campaign like corona um they haven't spent hardly any money on promotion it was just mexican street cred um and the boost between the two of them has been so enormous that constellation once a wine and liquor company that sold some imported beer here and there has become the corona and Modelo uh importer and they also have some wine, if you if you're at all interested. Um, now, and so, what does the Mexican beer market have to do, and especially uh, imports in the United States, have to do with Bud Light and where they found themselves in a sort of, in sort of desperate means? Well, those sales had to come from somewhere. I've got a chart. Um, I'm going to upload it to our Instagram uh, as soon as we're done with this podcast. But at Bud Light's height in 2017. The total beer sales were just sh shy of six billion, um, which is about double uh, any uh, any other competitors, uh, and mm -hmm. and also any of of other other brands. Um, flash forward uh, till this year, it's fallen by a little bit more than a billion. Um, and then compare that to Modelo, one point five billion in two thousand seventeen. Rocketing to 3.5 billion this year. Damn. It should be noted that the only brand comparable to that in the same amount of time is Michelob, which mm -hmm. has seen roughly the same amount of growth. Note that it's been a good six years before, you know, anybody at Bud Light, uh, uh, you know, decided to do anything with anything remotely inclusive. And by the way, if these trends continue... And that's a very fraught phrase because if this story proves anything, it's that current trends can pull donuts in the street with their bare ass hanging out the window. But if current <laughs> trends hold, Modelo is, is set to surpass the King of Beers by 2030. Yeah. Now, will it? Who knows? Uh, this fucking stupid-ass debacle didn't help. Um, and you... Um, now, whether it's going to extend, I mean, I'm still of the mind that we're, maybe I'm, maybe I'm bullheaded, but um, flash forward in a year, nobody's going to, people go, oh yeah, Bud Light, we shouldn't be drinking them because they're something or other. Awesome. Kid, yeah. Kid Rock shot something. Kid Rock's cool, man. He's like, he, I think he does a lot of meth. And uh, I do a lot of meth, and that's pretty cool. Um, and uh, uh, he's got a girlfriend that I think is pretty pretty hot. And my girlfriend looks like a, a Mrs. Potato Head. Uh, if I, I think if I shoot things like Kid Rock, I, she could look more like him. Where was I? Anyway. Uh, 
we're a country full of goldfish. That's what I'm saying. Uh, and uh, <laughs> but prove me wrong, I suppose. Um, in the meantime, however, I wanted to, there's one more uh, a detail I wanted to cap off this idiocy with. This comes from Business Insider by Grace Meyer. Uh, Bud Light is finally admitting it's done wrong and being a company that values the um, Midwest jobs, uh, troops, um, hardworking people um, with jobs in the Midwest um, with, with troops. Did, 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 did we mention troops? Anyway, um, <clears throat> they're looking to make amends with the people who I think we agree are the real victims in all of this. The people who thought Bud Light as a brand was on their side before uh, splitting the minute that anything got tough. Uh, and I'm, of course, talking about the workers at the Budweiser dis- distribution companies. Uh, if, if you work for a Bud distributor, it's your lucky day, man. You got a case of Bud Light coming your way. Uh, I mean, you probably have a lot just sitting in your warehouse right now. So screw it. Just help yourself to one. It's not like anyone else wants it. Um, AP InBev also <laughs> announced that it's launching new ads to help increase sales, preferably something douchey with a one sound catchphrase that even the most bread, uh, brain dead frat boy can grunt at the end of a month long bender. Something like licky wicky woo or sticky spooge or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and if you're a member of the LT uh, GPT community, um, I'm sure your case of Bud Light is in the mail. I'm, 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 it's, it's coming your way. Tyler, uh, what do you got next for us? Well, it'll be a more positive note. Uh, <laughs> we could use that. <coughs> We're taking a look at Australian hop production. Um, they just came out with their report and they have harvested 9.9% more hops in 2023 than they did in 2022. So, Woo-hoo! hop products We're saved. Australia uh, produces most of the hops grown in Australia, including proprietary varieties such as Galaxy, Vic Secret, and Eclipse. Um, overall, their growers picked about 1,821 metric tons uh, or 4 million pounds in freedom units. Um, <laughs> uh, and if you're like, well, guys, is that is that a lot of hops? Like, I, I don't know. Well, to put it in perspective, the American Northwest harvested 45,800 metric tons in 2022, about 25 times more than Australia did. Um which I think really kind of drives home the Northwest isn't in uh, any dire straits of losing its hop production crown, but it's great to see a whole nother country growing. And also because they're in a whole nother part of the, he- a whole nother hemisphere, that means fresh hop season is a different time of year. So, if they start getting real good with this, we could possibly have two fresh hop festivals. Um, well, and and the the other thing I note about Australian hop varieties, I don't. Uh, I mean, maybe it's the ones that make their way over here, but uh, I mean, a good portion of the the hops that are grown in the uh, Pacific Northwest um, are are pretty uh, uh, pretty heirloom varietals that are just. They're just there to make beer bitter. Um, Australian hops are, I mean, they're highly sought after for their unique flavor characteristics. I don't know if they do like a lot of Columbus or Tomahawk CTZ, um, that kind of blend or anything equivalent. Well, they do Pride of Ringwood is their, uh, is, is kind of their uh, stock bittering hop. I, I, I seem to remember from my, uh, uh, beer education, but, um, mm-hmm. uh, they do Citra as well. Um, the Citra was about, um, um, I can't find that, but, uh, basically they also do strata and Oregon farmers harvested almost as much strata as Australia did. Um, 
last year. I mean, that's telling right there because if you think about uh, the the relative amount of you know space dedicated for hops, the fact that they are harvesting uh, about the same amount of a I mean, Strata is 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 craft beer. Strata, there's there's absolutely no point in you know it, it, in your in harvesting those hops for your basic domestic, um, and so that signals to me a a wider percentage of Australian hop farms being dedicated to more craft centered hops. Mm-hmm. Um, but. The HPA did also recently expand acreage and production capacity, and uh, the 2023 increase will reflect plants reaching commercial maturity. Uh, they would have had higher gains had it not uh, been for a third consecutive La Nina weather pattern with below average temperatures and above average rainfall early in the growing season. That dirty uh, that bitch. slowed the that slowed the plant growth. Uh, but uh, they did release a press statement saying that a portion of this year's crop will be reserved for commissioning a new production facility that will allow them to double their current processing ca- capacity and retain higher average oils in the finished pellets. So it sounds like overall hop production is starting to take off and they're starting to become a, a bigger player than they were, um, which they've always been kind of a big player in basically since the early teens in hop production. But it sounds like we may start getting more and more Australian hops. I mean, I've messed around with a few. I've missed, I messed with the Vic secret and Moteca and, uh, one that's Jarillo. Uh, is that one of them as well? Jarillo. I'm not sure if that one is, but I know Galaxy. Galaxy. I've I've done. I still have a pound of freaking Galaxy in my freezer that I really need to use up. But, um, uh, but I mean they're 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 known and sought after for their even more intense like tropical fruit. Uh, oh, and Nelson Sauvin. That one especially. Um, oh yeah. Uh, that one has a very uh, a very unique flavor, and when used well, um, has a, a like a very sharp white wine fruity flavor that I rather like. But it's also very. I always forget that's a hop, uh, Australian strain. Um, it's also, but it's also a very uh, polarizing hop because there are uh, uh, when when you really bring that one out, people either love it or hate it. Um, yeah, and add the. There's no middle ground. And add the well, and it. And especially that hop, you start combining with the the new thiol enhancing. The thiol is easier. And again, it's there's you got a you got a sharp division between people who go like, oh my god, it's so like intensely fruity and all that. People like it tastes like tire air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, what do we got next? Uh, the oddest place to open a brewery news now. Uh, breweries are notorious. Uh, crematorium. <laughs> I've, well, a funeral home, actually. there is That is on the list. And actually, I want to pause just for one moment. I uh, opened up the Mexican lager from, uh, uh, from Lewis and Clark. Um, same basic flavor profile. Balance a lot more towards the malt. I get a lot more, uh, like, corn sweetness on this one. Um, like some like uh, doughy grain sweetness, almost no hops. You get some there, but the bitterness is like way in the back. Uh, I I I think I prefer the 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 balance on the Grand Teton. I think it 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 drinks better in the in the weather. I think you uh, associate with the Mexican lager. But uh, actually, this one's this one's quite nice as well. Sweeter. If you're in for if you're if and maybe actually more authentic, because I think uh, uh, part of the draw is Mexican lagers t- uh, tend on the sweet side. So if you're um, if you're into that, maybe Lewis and Clark if you're in the area. Anywho, um, <laughs> uh, no uh, breweries. 
they open up in weird places. Uh, they're a bit like a fungus that way. Uh, if there's an unused building that's physically big enough, someone has probably tried to put a brewery in there. And I mean, warehouse districts, waterfronts, they're so common as to be fucking cliche. You look up weirdest places for a brewery and you get some decent hits. Uh, churches, not unusual. Uh, gas stations, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Train stations, they look, I mean, they're, they're very... Old car garages. Of course. Um, you mentioned, uh, uh, I said, I, there was one at a, uh, a, uh, a funeral home, um, one at a jail, um, uh, old bank is a, uh, is, is another one. Uh, but there's one that's opening up in Colorado that I think is unique, even for breweries. Uh, how's about airport control tower? This comes from travel and leisure by Evie Carrick. Um, and yeah, a flight co brewing is opening up a second location and they're taking the idea of a themed brewery all the way to its log- logical conclusion. The brewery has uh, already made a name for itself in the Denver area uh, for decorating their current brewery with a salvaged uh, with a salvaged airplane wing and a replica 737 fuselage. But when the opportunity came up, to actually set a brewery inside the old control tower that ran the Denver International Airport until 1995, they couldn't help themselves except for jump on that opportunity. Now, to be honest, I don't know how the average airport control tower is laid out, uh, but from the outside, they look like tall, skinny buildings with like computers and radios and shit on top. And in between, there's, like, I, I think an elevator. Maybe you've got, like, a building on the ground where there's office shit. Like, people need always need – there's always office shit. There's got to be people running around with, like, pens, pens. Where do we get pens? And someone's, like, the pen supplier. And then there's, like, meetings with the pen people and the marker people where they have PowerPoints. You're asking yourself at this point in time, has Jeremy actually held a real job? The answer is no. No, he has not. Thank you for asking. The reason I <laughs> the reason I bring it up is this control tower slash brewery has or will have six bowling alleys, mini golf, a full arcade, lawn and board games, not to mention floor to ceiling murals and a scale model of the Wright Flyer and an, and other aviation exhibits on loan for the wings over the Rockies Air and Space Museum. Okay. Is this air traffic controller building still like at an airport? Like, this I have was... so many questions. And, like, how big is this <laughs> fucking building? The so so um, the uh, I, I was kind of aware of this, but uh, there was the the old airport is actually closer to Denver, and it was and it was uh, uh, run there until 1995 when they moved the whole operation to a much bigger area way the fuck outside of Denver. Like, if you've ever flown yeah. into Denver, yeah. it yeah. takes it, about... You're, you're fucking deep. Yeah. Well, there's another airport that's a lot closer to the city, and they've never really done anything with it. And apparently the airport control Aww. tower for that airport was, until very recently, up for grabs. Um, but... It's also a work in progress. So right now, the brewery occupies the first two floors of and the at the base of the control tower. But coming soon, they will expand to the third floor, where they will add golf simulators, axe throwing, and a private event space. What right, the fuck? Right now, the top of the tower is closed to uh, to to anybody. But the brewery promises. They promise. That soon you'll be able to live out your fantasy of drinking a craft beer at the top of an airport control tower without the risk of being hauled off and charged for terrorism. Uh, in a statement, Flight Co. said, quote, the I idea- didn't know I wanted to do that until just now. <laughs> and now it's the well, only... Well, I now want to. <laughs> the idea of sipping a Flight Co. beer from the top of a former air traffic control tower while watching the sun set... <sighs> Behind the Denver skyline and Colorado's front range is a dream we will never let go of. The top of the tower will be accessible within the next two years. Um, the tap list uh, from Bruco involves uh, uh, in, in includes uh, Vets and Jets Cream Ale, uh, the Aeromexico uh, Mexican Lager, 
Beechcraft Blonde Arrow, Blonde Ale. Uh, weird they don't mention any IPAs, but it's fucking travel and leisure. So they're like, I don't know. What's the closest thing to Bud Light? We'll talk about those. Um, and if you're not in the mood for beer, there's a coffee shop that serves coffee and bagel sandwiches. Seriously, how the fuck is, how big is this building? <laughs> Dude, uh, fuck it. I know where I'm going when I'm at GABF this year. That's exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to Flight Co. and I'm gonna i need to see how big this fucking place is i i don't understand how this place is laid out i mean i under, okay like bowling alley okay i understand the concept of a bowling hour alley i thought up until this moment i understood the concept of a tower and those two things don't you can't it's it's a wrong shapes it's like I watch Sesame Street with the little one all the time, and the, like these sheeps do not belong together. It just doesn't fit together. So I really want to see. I'm really curious. On I, I assume there's got to be like ground buildings, and that's where this is all uh, uh, built into. Um, I mean, there's I I to, in my mind, there's got to be uh, other service buildings. Attached to or nearby the control tower. That they've also... No, no, I'm, I'm trying to fucking Google it. Okay. Aha! I see it. This makes way more sense. See, I tried so, Googling it and didn't find anything. What did you find? The, the building, it looks like your typical kind of like office building. Like for-profit college across the bottom. Where they with do pens and shit. Shaft. Yeah, with a giant shaft going up for the air traffic control. That's just waving in the wind, all turgid for all the craft beer that's going to be flooding in. Uh, if you look up Flight Co. Tower, you'll see a picture of it, Jeremy. I didn't. I don't know how that 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 idea escaped my uh, uh, escaped my. Uh, um, listen, I was up very late trying to do this, and the and, and the toddler was not cooperating. I had to uh, get up and tell him to go back to fucking bed at least every ten minutes last night. So that's yeah. My or if you go to flightcotower.com, <laughs> uh, and flight is F L Y T E. CEO. Yeah. Well, I figured they'd fucking realize the CEO was there. All right. Uh, they are currently open right now. I mean, they're 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 um the 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 first couple of floors are open now. It's the third floor and the top of the tower that is coming soon, uh, within two years. Yeah. And I'm assuming third floor. It's going to be the top floor of that building. And then when you get the tower, you'll actually get to go up into the tower. But so this building is a 20,000 square foot fucking building. That makes a lot more sense. I mean, that. And it's got a huge outdoor patio. That's where a lot of that mini golf is. I mean, we got this huge ass building. Like, what are we gonna do with all this space? I don't know. Fucking bowling alley, axe throwing, um, sex dungeon. They should have a sex dungeon. It's, it's Denver. Who doesn't want a sex dungeon in Denver? Hmm. Yeah, six bowling lanes, eighteen holes of mini golf, pinball, darts, arcade games, hockey, ski, air hockey, ski ball, and more. Sounds like a blast. All right, go there and report back. I would go, but uh, I, I I don't get I, I can't get a, a a good work excuse to go to GABF. I mean, you could. I could physically go, but uh, I, I I wouldn't get my my way paid for me. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Tyler, do you have anything else for us today? Yeah. Um. Apparently, uh, Nendo a new uh japanese studio researched uh the best way to open a beer and get less foam pouring it into a glass i didn't know this was a problem that needed to be solved but apparently the japanese solved it 
Um, they're very good they at cre- they're very good at solving uh, that that doing that solving problems. You're like, I didn't really know that was a problem. I mean, like, do you ever see like the square watermelons? They no. They the Japanese like the they 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 grew watermelons in square containers so that you could fit them easier into your refrigerator. Like the watermelons are square shaped because they got pressed into a box and that way they just sit in your refrigerator and you can cut them open. Again, I, you're like, I didn't really have a issue with how the, the, the watermelon was in my refrigerator up until this point, but now I don't know how I could live without it. Yeah. Well, so their design team uncovered that if they add two pull tabs on the can, that they can actually reduce the foam on the beer. So they have a new process, um, which this can looks fucking wonky as shit. And the tabs (laughs) are actually labeled tab one and tab two. (laughs) We'll post a picture of that to our Instagram as well. Or it'll be the cover of the uh, episode. Is the first tab is flicked open. It makes a small slit, uh, that makes way for an abundance of foam. You then pour whatever foam you want into the glass to reach the desired amount of head. Uh, the second tab is then open to open the lid to the fullest and let the beer flow seamless and foamless. Um, and that, that is how you pour your perfect beer with the Nendo can. I feel like... We sort of knew this before before we just had pull tabs. Like way back when, you know, when when cans required a the church, church key. key. Yeah. You look at how people opened them, there was always they always did it. They, there was always two openings. One big one for where you poured the beer out or just drank it, and another little one to let the air in. Yeah, but this is different. This is different. But the so concept, they are both... core, core concept, core concept is there. I'm just saying we sort of knew this. We just didn't know we needed it as much as we did. Yeah. And I've been, I've read this article multiple times and I'm like, there's, this is, this is overcomplicating <laughs> or you just open your beer and you don't just fucking just pour it straight upside down. I mean, the the concept of craft beer is overcomplicating beer. I mean, you 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 can get drunk off a of floor cleaner. You are aware of this, right? If 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 the if the if the goal is to get from vertical to horizontal, you can just do that without Nelson Sauvin hops, stylized yeast, or <laughs> any of the other bullshit we've uh, uh, put in and put into this. Fair enough. Um, uh, and so I think we are just I th- the delivery system that bugs me. I think it's, uh, I, it's obviously the, 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 the new way. And I'm already pissed off that we don't do that in this country. No, I want my cans to stay the same way that they have <laughs> always been. I don't need an extra pull tab. Embrace the future, Tyler. It's just... Some cans can have two pull tabs. It's okay. It doesn't make them any less. (laughs) This first, the first, someday, someday, a a, an American brewery is going to uh, is going to bring in those cans. You're gonna be like, they took their jobs. (laughs) And then, knowing me, I'm gonna pour one out of that, and I'm gonna fucking love it, and I'm gonna be like, God damn it. I'm gonna fucking hate drink this beer so hard with its yes. per- with its perfect amount of head, which really brings out the aroma. And- God damn you! <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, this has been <laughs> it's all beer. Uh, if 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 you, if you want to try to add a third pull tab uh, to uh, to Tyler's beer. Nope. <laughs> um. Uh, 
you can get a hold of us. Uh, it's it's all beer at gmail.com. Uh, we're on. Uh, we have social media. It's all uh, it's uh, it's all beer one on Twitter. Um, we have uh, it's all beer uh, on Instagram and Facebook where we post. Actually, if if I follow through, which I'm honestly very bad at, I know senior letters. Um, uh, we, I get some. We we do get some email, and occasionally some uh, one of them is like, "Hey, you said you're gonna post this picture. You didn't do it." I'm like, "Oh fuck, here it comes." Um, <laughs> uh, you can uh, that email again is it's all beer at gmail.com and our Instagram and Facebook it's all beer. Um, and if you uh, uh, like this podcast, uh, you can uh, leave a leave a review or subscribe at iTunes or Stitcher or uh, wherever your your podcast app. I think if you, if you search for it, you should be able to find it at this point in time. Um, and that'll be quite enough from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to have a beer. Have fun. You're back. I dropped my phone trying to switch hands so I could grab the beer. I, just, I, I didn't la- hung up and I was like I didn't laugh oh. how fast you just hung up. I'm like, well usually we like discuss the, the, the plans for next week, but okay, fuck off Tyler. <laughs> like podcast done. I leave now. Bye bye. No, I was like <laughs> I was trying to switch hands so I could grab my beer and then I dropped it and I was like, Oh shit and I picked it up and it's like call ended. I was like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs>